for the 22nd of January here in the good old 2024. That's right. If I kept, if I keep saying it's going to be a good year, I'm going to will it. I'm going to make it happen. Help me along and say it's going to be a good year. This is the Disorderly Show's TLDR News Roundup. Read the news so you don't have to and in no particular order. The U.S., in coordination with Australia and Britain, has imposed sanctions on various entities and individuals associated with Hamas and Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Quds Force. That's Q-U-D-S. Now, these sanctions are part of the U.S. government's efforts to counteract the activities of Iranian-backed proxies in the Middle East, and the sanctions focus on financial exchanges and facilitators in Gaza, which are instrumental in transferring funds, including cryptocurrency, from the IRGCQF to Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the PL, the PIJ. And these groups have been involved, obviously, in the attacks on Israel. Notably, the sanctions target a Gaza-based money changer, there's no way I'm going to try to pronounce their name, for facilitating multi-million dollar transfers from Iran to Hamas. The Treasury also sanctioned leaders and supporters to an Iranian-linked militia in Iraq. The U.S. has also sanctioned Iraq's Fly Baghdad airline and its chief executive, alleging their involvement in supporting the Quds forces' operations in Syria. And according to the State Department, these sanctions are expected to have tangible impacts on the groups responsible for destabilizing activities in the Middle East. And in recent developments, the U.S. and British militaries conducted coordinated strikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen. They used Tomahawk missiles launched from warships and submarines as well as fighter jets because we're playing with all our toys in the tub to target the Houthi missile storage sites and launchers in Yemen. And these strikes were aimed at the group's missile launching capabilities. The mission saw contributions from Australia, Bahrain, Canada, and the Netherlands. Way to go, Dutch. Primarily in intelligence and surveillance roles. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Now, the Allied nations also targeted a Houthi underground storage site and locations linked to the Houthis' missile and air surveillance capabilities. The Royal Air Force used Typhoon jets to hit multiple targets at two military sites near near Sanaha, S-A-N-A-A, airfield with precision-guided bombs. And these strikes come after previous coordinated actions by U.S. and British forces responding to a series of Houthi drone and missile attacks on commercial ships, which has been ongoing since the start of the Israel-Hamas conflict in October. And this marks the eighth time the U.S. has conducted strikes on Houthi sites since January 12th, with a focus on disabling the missile launchers that are armed and ready to fire. And despite these actions, the Houthis have continued their campaign against Red Sea shipping, raising concerns about the escalation of regional conflicts. And what the U.S. and Britain and everybody's trying to do is make sure that the 400 commercial vessels that are passing through that critical waterway are able to go through. So it's there's a lot of ships, a lot of, a lot of stuff moving around out there. The Supreme Court has made a ruling that temporarily allows Border Patrol agents to cut or clear Constantina wire installed by Texas along the Rio Grande with a 5-4 to four vote in favor of the Biden administration's position. Texas Governor Greg Abbott authorized the installation of razor wire along the border as part of measures to curb illegal crossings from Mexico. The Constantina wire stretched for about 30 miles near Eagle Pass. And some migrants have already been injured by the sharp wire, and the Justice Department argued that the wire barrier hinders the U.S. government's ability to effectively patrol the border and assist migrants in need. 
None of the justices provided an explanation for their vote in the one-page order, which temporarily supports the Biden administration's position while the lawsuit over the wire continues. In a tragic incident on January 11th, two U.S. Navy SEALs, Navy Special Warfare Operator First Class Christopher J. Chambers and Navy Special Warfare Operator Second Class Nathan Gage Ingram, lost their lives during a mission in the Arabian Sea. The SEALs were part of an operation targeting an unflagged ship carrying Iranian-made weapons to Yemen, and during the operation, Ingram slipped while boarding the ship from a combatant craft, and Chambers instinctively jumped in to save him, but both SEALs, burdened by heavy gear, drowned. An 11-day search and rescue mission was conducted, which ultimately shifted to a recovery effort. The Navy confirmed the SEALs as deceased. Chambers, originally from Westfield, Massachusetts, was a graduate of Westfield High School and the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He had an accomplished career in the Navy since 2012. Ingram, from Texas, enlisted in 2019 and completed SEAL training in 2021. The U.S. Navy's 5th Fleet is conducting an investigation into the incident, focusing on equipment, training procedures, and decision-making aspects of the mission. Well, if you didn't know, early into the weekend... Ron DeSantis decided, nah, I just can't do the whole running anymore. He's gone to a walk as he's dropped out of the race for the presidency. And in not a shocker at all, went ahead and said, yep, he's going to endorse Trump. And that leaves former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and former President Donald Trump as the two front runners for the Republican nomination. As a CNN and University of New Hampshire poll shows Trump as the clear front runner with 50% support among likely Republican voters, while Haley has 39%. The U.S. Forest Service has halted a major crude oil transportation project in Utah by rescinding its approval for a segment of the proposed Uinta Basin Railway. I didn't know they could do that. Now, this decision affects a 12-mile stretch intended to pass through the Ashley National Forest, which is part of an 88-mile rail project. I bet you, I, I got a sneaking suspicion that the recent train wrecks that have been occurring played into their decision. The Uinta Basin Railway was designed to connect Utah fossil fuel producers with the National Railway Network facilitating the transport of their resources to Gulf of Mexico refineries. Now the project faced opposition from officials in Colorado and environmental groups who raised concerns about potential catastrophic oil spills near the Colorado River. And the project's halt follows an August decision by the U.S. Court of Appeals, which overturned the project's authorization and found the required environmental impact statement in violation of the National Environmental Policy Act. And the court cited multiple deficiencies in the EIS, including inadequate assessments of impacts on vegetation, water resources, local accident risk, and the environmental justice communities in the Gulf Coast area. Now, the Forest Service's decision to withdraw its approval was based on the court vacating both the EIS and a biological opinion by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Faculty members of California State University, the largest public university system in the U.S., has initiated a strike affecting the system's 23 campuses. The strike includes university professors, counselors, librarians, lecturers, and coaches who are members of the California Faculty Association Union, numbering 29,000. The strike is a five-day walkout, coinciding with the start of the spring semester. Do they have to show up and then walk out, or do they just stay away for five days? Hmm, something to figure out. The primary demands are for higher wages and benefits, understandable, 
Specific requests include a 12% pay raise, an increase in the minimum salary from $54,000 to $64,000, more university counselors for students, expanded parental leave, and other issues. The union accuses CSU management of inadequately addressing their demands and ignoring requests for additional employee benefits, issues such as appropriate class sizes, lactation spaces, gender-inclusive bathrooms, and rights when interacting with campus authorities were also mentioned. Earlier this month, CSU offered a 5% raise, which the union deemed inadequate. The university also reached a labor agreement with its Teamsters Union Local, which was preparing to strike. This strike follows a similar action by graduate students at the University of California system in December 2022, which led to significant wage increases after 40 days. A judge has ordered the unsealing of the divorce case involving Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade following allegations of his inappropriate relationship with Fannie Willis, the prosecutor in a high-profile election interference case against Donald Trump and others. Defense attorney Ashley Merchant, representing a former Trump campaign staffer, alleged a romantic relationship between Willis and Wade. This allegation is central to the request for unsealing Wade's divorce proceedings. Willis, while defending her hiring of Wade, who has limited experience as a prosecutor, has not directly denied a romantic relationship. She accuses Wade's estranged wife of attempting to obstruct her criminal case against Trump by seeking to question her in the divorce. Jocelyn Wade's attorney presented court documents showing Nathan Wade purchased plane tickets for Willis, suggesting their travels indicate a romantic relationship. The affair allegations have complicated the case against Trump and 18 allies who are accused of working to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. Trump, denying any wrongdoing, labels the charges as politically motivated. The judge said he can't rule on Willis's deposition until after Nathan Wade is questioned later this month. OpenAI, the creator of ChatGBT, has banned the developer of a bot imitating Democratic presidential candidate Representative Dean Phillips, marking it the first restriction on the use of its AI tools by a political campaign or committee. But we knew this was going to happen. Hell, there's deep fakes that are already out there, so it was just a matter of time this occurred. So even though ChatGBT, OpenAI, said, nope, you can't do it, doesn't mean it's not going to be done in the future. Now, OpenAI did confirm the ban, stating that the developer was knowingly violating its API usage policies, which prohibit political campaigning and impersonation without consent. The bot, known as Dean.Bot, was developed by Silicon Valley entrepreneurs Matt Krisloff and Jed Summers, who launched the super PAC We Deserve Better to back Phillips. The PAC hired AI startup Delphi to build the bot using ChatGPT. Now, following the ban, Chris Loff stated that Delphi was asked to remove ChatGPT from the bot and use open-source technologies with similar controversial capabilities instead. A federal judge in North Carolina has issued a preliminary injunction against the new law that tightens the rule on when ballots cast by same-day registrants can be removed from election counts. U.S. District Judge Thomas Schroeder's ruling prevents election workers from nullifying ballots cast by citizens who register and vote during a 17-day period before an election through a new method unless certain protections for applicants are established. In the last two presidential general elections, over 100,000 new registrants in North Carolina used same-day registration, which could significantly impact the outcome in this closely divided state. The law was enacted by the Republican-controlled General Assembly over a veto from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper, 
and it changes the process by which a registrant's ballot can be removed from the count, requiring only one undeliverable mail notice instead of the previous two. And finally, an Army physician, Major Michael Stocken, that's S-T-O-C-K-I-N, is facing a court-martial at Joint Base Lewis-McChord, Washington, on multiple charges of sexual misconduct. Stocken, an anesthesiologist and pain management specialist, is charged with 48 counts of abusive sexual contact and five counts of indecent viewing involving at least 23 victims. My God! Since November, the number of charges against Stockton has risen from 39 to 53, likely due to the ongoing investigation. And under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, abusive sexual contact involves touching private areas without consent, while indecent viewing refers to viewing someone's private area without their consent and under circumstances where privacy is expected. Following a 2022 law, the Department of Defense now has offices of special trial counsel to handle prosecutions of serious crimes, including sexual offenses outside the traditional chain of command. The Sokin case will be the first for the Army Office of Special Trial Counsel, which has the authority to determine the course of legal action in such cases. If convicted, Stockton faces punishments including reduction in rank, dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of pay and allowances, and confinement up to seven years for abusive sexual contact and up to one year for indecent viewing. Stockton's attorney asserts that his client looks forward to challenging the allegations in a fair trial. And for the start of the week, this is the Disorderly Show's TLDR News Roundup. Hope your week got off well, and if not, hey, it's just a few more days to the weekend.